0: I pray right now the anointing would be loosed in this house. I pray that the captive would be set free. Hallelujah. I pray that God, those that have been bound, would be loosed. I pray that prison doors of captivity would swing open wide. Yes, Lord, that the hopeless would receive hope. Hallelujah. Yes, God, that the discouraged would receive encouragement. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes Jesus, yes Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes Lord, I thank you today that heaven is open. I thank you that your promises are sure today. I thank you that we can put our trust in you, Jesus. Hallelujah that your promises are true. That your word is sure in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord praise all around the room right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I like the terminology, and that song was taken from the book of Isaiah. where The prophet writes prophetically of the coming of Jesus Christ, Messiah, that he was going to be a river in a desert amen to that barren life he was going to be a place of refreshing and renewal brother trey talked about this morning in sunday school that the things of this world leave you empty they're very fleeting in their fulfillment they say that they have so much to offer but the moment that the event is over the moment that that time of sin is done you feel emptier than you were before but jesus said to the woman at the well i am the water that you can drink of and you'll never thirst again. Amen. Jesus will never let you down. He's not something that you drink, and a day later you're thirsty all over again, but Jesus is fulfilling. Amen. 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 One more time, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. You can return to your seats. Greet somebody. Tell somebody it's good to see him today. Tell them, They look better than the person on the other side of them. Don't maybe leave that part out. We're so glad to have everyone here today. We do have one more special thing that we're going to do. And I would like to welcome brother and sister. I see brother Plager. Brad, I'm talking about you. Is, Is your wife here? All right, she's out of town. That's right, I knew that. But Brad is here for the first time as a married man. And we want to say congratulations to Brad and Jarlene. Amen. We're proud of them and look forward to what God is going to do in them as a couple now. So now we have two sets of brother and sister plaguers in the church. So we might just stick with brother Brad and sister Jarlene for a while. Amen. Uh, We're honored today to be able, or glad I should say today, to be able to honor our graduates and these are the names. When I call your name, if you're here, if you'll come, Cameron's gonna come and help me. Um, but we want—we have a, just a small gift we want to give to you on behalf of the church. Amen. I think the best gift that you could be given—we got a Bible for you. Amen. And uh, so, as we call your name, we want you to come, Nakia Hall. Malik Johnson come on Malik Shaquan Shaquan is sick today so he's not able to be here we'll give his Bible to his family Amber Rivera Amber come on up let's see Anna Sanchez Hannah Simpkins there she is, there's Hannah. Kelly Torres. Let's see. Gillian Waxman. Those are all of our high school graduates. Can we give them a big hand clap? We're proud of our high school graduates. And they can stay up here for a minute and smile and look beautiful. Or Malik, you can look handsome. We also want to honor, we have a couple of college graduates. And we want to ask Khadija and Sister Natasha. Khadijah Mitchell and Natasha of We are so proud of Khadija and Natasha for all of their hard work. amen. I know that Natasha has completed college while raising three children, arguably a fourth. Sorry, Bo, I'm just kidding. As well as being a great wife to her awesome husband, Bo. Amen. So we we honor you, Natasha, for all your hard work. And Khadijah just does so much. She's got a full-time job. She was working as well as, I think, almost a full-time job here at the church. She does so much around here and just other things that Khadijah, and and Khadijah doesn't do things halfway. Everything she does, she does with excellence. And so one more time, just for all of our graduates, give them a big hand clap. Amen, we're so proud of all you guys. Love you, proud of you, great job. Jose, how did we leave you out? Come on up here, we're not gonna leave you out. Thank you. Congratulations. Is good. Brother Alberti graduated with his bachelor's degree from the uh, Urshan Graduate College in St. Louis. I'm going to get you a Bible, all right? But we want to honor Brother Alberti as well. Darius also graduated. We didn't know Darius was going to be here today, so we don't have a Bible for him. But Darius, congratulations. Amen. Amen. We're so proud of all of these graduates. God bless you guys. Enjoy those Bibles. Make use of them, all right? Use them. In fact, I think the Bibles we have for you guys has a Bible study inside of it so you can teach somebody else a Bible study, all right? You got all the tools you need. Amen. Amen. Here, let's give this one to the Joneses for Shaq. Amen. Tell Tell them we're proud of him. Amen. Amen. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. Chapter 2, Brother Junior asked if we would have each of the members of his family testify. I'm kidding, he didn't do that. They all were looking, they were giving you the death stare, Brother Junior. If looks could kill, you would be dead right now. But we want you guys to know we're honored to have you here. This is Brother Junior's brother. Amen, right here in the middle. Amen. We're so honored to have this family here with us. Uh, They wanted to meet me, so they made the trip all the way out here just to meet me. Actually, I think it was Alana's birthday. Quinceyera, did I say that right? No? Too much gringo in it? All right. It's her special birthday. How about that? Is it 16? Is that the 15? If, say Somebody say it for me. How are you supposed to? Quinceyera. All right, that's better. No? still, Sister Angie did not give me a look of approval there. I'm going to leave that where it's at. It's her 15th birthday. They came out for her 15th birthday. And we're honored to have them here today as well. Amen. I'm going to leave that alone and we'll move on. Stay in your lane is what they say. Stay in your lane. My lane, I'm still trying to master the English language, so I'll stick with that one. Amen. First Samuel chapter number 2, beginning at verse 18. But Samuel, the Bible says, ministered before the Lord being a child, or he began ministering as a child, and as a child he was girded or wore a linen ephod. Moreover, or in addition to his linen ephod, His mother made for him a little coat when he began his ministry as a child. And then the Bible says she brought it to him from year to year. So every year his mother would bring him a new coat. And when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice, and Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, the Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home. The Bible says the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters and the Bible concludes this portion of Scripture and says that the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Amen. The child Samuel grew before the Lord. God bless you. You could be seated as you are. I do want to say that we are so thankful that earlier this week there was a historical Supreme Court case. Amen. And we thank, we celebrate life today. We celebrate the decision that was made at the Supreme Court. Amen. As a church, we're going to celebrate that. We've been praying for life. We still pray for life. And we celebrate that today. Amen. Understanding that's not the end of prayer. It now puts the power of the decision on whether a life will be aborted or given birth to in the, at the state level. So we need to continue to pray at the state level that God will move upon the hearts of legislators and voters at the state level Amen. But we celebrate that today. As Christians, if we can't celebrate this decision, we're probably in the wrong lane ourselves. Amen. As Christians, we celebrate life. Amen. In June of 1912, a graduation ceremony was first, a tradition was first observed and established exactly 50 miles from where we sit right now. That day in June, 156 Naval Academy graduates took their hats at the end of the ceremony and they threw their hats high into the sky at the conclusion of the ceremony. Today, there are many that consider the the tossing of the graduation cap into the sky to be somewhat of a symbolic sayonara to the learning process. It is a festive celebration that is at long last, finally, all those years of learning and studying in school are finally over. After months and years of work and effort, the graduate has concluded the classwork, completed their homework. They have reached the end of essays and exams, and now as they take those hats and they throw them into the air, it is a final exclamation and an enthusiastic declaration that it is over and the process is completed. That spring morning in 1912, as the graduate class of the Naval Academy tossed their hats into the sky, it was not a symbolic celebration of what was over. Amen, it wasn't just a statement that finally school is over, amen, that there's no more going to this edifice of learning and education. In fact, the statement that they made when they threw their hats into the sky was much the opposite. See, prior to the year 1912, graduates from the academy, following their four to six years of education, they would then have to serve two years of enlistment. And then at the end of two years of enlistment, then they would be commissioned as officers. And when they were commissioned with officers, they would take the old hat of their enlistment and they would trade it in for an officer's hat. They would trade in that, that old hat of an enlisted personnel in the military and they would be given these newer hats. But pri- that was prior to 1912. That they, It wasn't at graduation that they would get this new hat. They would hold on to their old hats. However... In the year of 1912, because of the military being in the throes of World War I, Congress passed legislation that no longer would those graduates have to serve for two years enlisted before receiving their commission as officers. But now, the moment they graduated they would become and be recognized as officers. And so the old hat that they wore into that ceremony, they would no longer need. Amen. They, were, they realized that they were receiving a new hat of responsibility and authority. And so symbolically, they took the old hat that they no longer needed and they threw it into the air not because something was over but because something greater was ahead of them. Amen. They were not graduating from something. Rather, they were graduating to something. And I want to preach for a little while this morning on this thought, don't hold on to your hats. I can recall 29 years ago, hard to believe, at least for me, when I tossed my cap into the sky just down the road at Great Mills High School, I remember thinking when I threw that hat into the sky that my time as a student was over. I remember thinking as I threw that hat into the sky That all the hard work was behind me. That now I was going to step into this big world and everybody was going to see what I had to offer. That finally my day had arrived. I remember when I threw my hat into the sky thinking, nobody's going to tell me no any longer. Nobody's going to tell me when to get up. Nobody's going to tell me where I've got to be. None of that. That's all behind me as I threw my hat into the sky. In fact, our class song that year was A Whole New World. I think it's a Disney song. I didn't, I didn't pick it, but it was, it was our song. And one stanza of the song perfectly summed up my thought process when I threw my hat into the sky that May night. Here's the stanza. No one tells us no or where to go or to say we're only dreaming. That's the way I thought. From here on, nobody's going to tell me where to go or no or any of that. I was in for a rude awakening. What ensued was not me stepping into a dazzling new world and showing everybody else just how great they were about to be blessed by my knowledge. No, what ensued was it looked more like a fish out of water. I thought, here I am, I've arrived. Nobody's going to tell me where to go, or nobody's going to tell me no. In fact, it became just the opposite. It seemed like everybody was telling me where to go. I woke up just a couple of years after graduation in a in a in a, in a bunk at boot camp. It was somebody screaming and hollering at me at 3.30 in the morning to get out of bed. And I thought, hey, this ain't the whole new world that we sang about two years ago. This isn't what I had in mind when I threw my cap in the sky. Everybody was telling me no. All the drill sergeants telling me, no, you can't. And then I got married. And anyway, you know where that goes. She's not here. Please don't tell her I said that. I quickly learned that I had not graduated from anything but I had graduated too I preach today not just to the graduates from our this is home class although We honor those graduates today, nor do I preach today just to the high school, college, and university graduates, but I preach to everybody in this building today, amen, in the spiritual sense, don't hold on to your hats, Uh, amen. I preach today that this walk with Jesus Christ, uh, amen, in the pathway of Christianity and on this highway of holiness, we are never graduating from anything, but we're always graduating to something, I read our text this morning in the book of 1 Samuel of a Bible figure by the name of Samuel. The son that is born to a woman that prayed great prayers of desperation. A woman that the Bible tells us had been provoked into prayer. And the Bible says that she sought the Lord. Amen. This son that she gave birth to by the name of Samuel. Samuel would anoint kings. He would serve as a prophet. He would serve as a priest. He would serve as a judge over Israel and a military leader all in the span of his life. All of those are impressive. In fact, there's no other figure or character in the Bible outside of Jesus Christ who served in more offices than the man Samuel. But the quality about Samuel was not that he judged Israel. The quality about Samuel that gathers my attention, and I would preach to you today, was not his prophetic ability. It was not that he served in the role of a priest, uh, amen. But the quality that I think we all need to get a hold of today, uh, amen, that I see in the life of Samson, uh, that uh, Samuel rather, that I believe should mark the heart of every believer in this house, is that Samuel never stopped growing. Samuel never came to the place where he said, that's all, I'm not going any further. Samuel never came to the place where he threw his hat in the air and said, I'm finally finished with that. No, Samuel was constantly growing. Samuel was constantly saying, what's next in the kingdom? Samuel was constantly saying, what more can I do in the kingdom? Verse 18, as we read in our text, tells us that as a child, Samuel put on a linen ephod, amen. We'll talk more about that linen ephod in a moment. But then verse 19 goes on and tells us in addition to this linen ephod, that he also was given a coat by his mother, uh, and that every year she would come and she would bring him a new coat. The writer in 1 Samuel is giving us an image and an illustration, letting us know that every year when mom came back to visit, uh, that there was a new coat that she gave to Samuel. uh, And every year the linen ephod got a little larger. uh, And every year the coat that mom gave him got a little bigger. uh. Amen. Samuel never stopped growing. In verse 21, it summarizes the growth of Samuel when it simply says this he grew before the Lord he grew I I pray that is a testimony of my life I pray it's a testimony of this church. I pray it's a testimony of every follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. That if nothing else, people would look at our lives and say we grew before the Lord. Amen. He never arrived at a place where he graduated from the anointing. He never came to a place where he graduated from the calling. But he continually graduated to his next purpose. I preached this morning to people that have gathered here. Many of you... God is trying to graduate you to the next level, but you're still holding on to your hat. God is trying to take you to the next level, but you're fighting to stay where you're at. Amen. You've learned how to say the right things on Sunday, but not much in your private world has changed. You want to be greatly used of God, but you don't want to let go of the world. I want to let you know it's time to let go of your hat. Amen. It's time to not hold on to your hat. It's time to throw that hat in the air and say God what more do you have for me I'm tired of trying to be in the world and in the church at the same time I'm tired of trying to be anointed and carnal at the same time but you can't go to a greater anointing and hold on to your hat I want to share Three specific areas that Samuel grew in that God is calling us to grow in today. I believe this, that many today in this service, in the next two and a half hours that I preach. Brother Junior, you just got another look from your family, I think. In the next 30 minutes that I plan to preach today. That there are going to be people in this building today that will make a decision. And one way or the how you respond to the word today and what God is speaking, one way or the other, the choice that you make will shape not only your world, but it's going to shape the world. How you respond to the word of God today that is going to be preached is going to shape not only your life, but it's going to shape the lives of others that God has brought into the circumference of your walk with God. The first thing that we must grow in, the first thing that Samuel grew in is he grew to recognize the voice of God. Amen, he grew to recognize the voice of God. And we, we must grow, our our world demands a church that knows how to hear from God. Our our world is fed up with religious traditions. Our world is not looking for empty promises from a church that simply knows how to sing three songs and have a sermon. Uh, Amen, our world is fed up with empty traditions. Uh, Our world needs a church that knows how to hear from God. Amen. Our world is not doing any better because we have preachers that know how to put together pretty sermons. Amen. Our world is only going to be changed by ministers who know how to hear from God. We must grow to recognize the voice of God. If you think if you think you've reached that place where you've got it all figured out, let me, let me just give you that same recognizing I got 29 years ago. You've still got a lot to learn. You've still got a lot to learn. I don't know everything there is to know about the voice of God, but what I do know is I want to grow. Let's, let's look at the scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is the beginning of the story of Samuel. The Lord called Samuel, and Samuel said, Here am I. And then he ran to Eli. He heard the voice of God. He knew what he heard, but he didn't know where it was coming from. He didn't know how to respond. But he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go to sleep. So the Bible says Samuel went and laid down again. Verse 6, the Lord called again and said, Samuel. And Samuel arose, and again he ran to Eli and said, here I am, because you called me. And Eli said, I did not call you, my son. Go lay down again. Verse 7 says this, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the, the voice of God had not yet been revealed to him. Listen, even though Samuel, Samuel was called from birth, Samuel was consecrated from birth. Even though he was called and even though he was consecrated, there was a time that he did not recognize the voice of God. Listen, just because you're called and consecrated doesn't mean that you know how to hear the voice of God. But the question is, will you hold on to your hat? Will you stay in that place where you don't recognize the voice of God? Or will you desire to learn how to hear and respond to the voice of God? Because we finished reading the story, and Samuel didn't stay there. Yes, he started off in a place where he didn't recognize the voice of the Lord. But verse 10 says that the Lord appears again. And this time when the Lord appears, Samuel responds and says, Speak, Lord, thy servant hears. And for the next 40 years, God would not stop speaking to Samuel. Why? Because Samuel said, I'm not willing to stay in a place where I don't recognize the voice of God. All across our community, throughout our nation today, there are people that sit in churches, but they don't recognize the voice of God. Amen. There are churches that are full today of people that wouldn't recognize the voice of God if it sat down next to them. Why? Because we're content with just a religious ceremony and religious tradition. But God is looking for a church in this hour that will say, God, I want to grow to know your voice. Verse Samuel chapter 3, verse 21 says this, the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. And the Bible says the Lord revealed himself to, in, to Samuel in Shiloh by his word, yeah. by the word of the Lord. So we start off with Samuel who didn't, he ran to Eli. He didn't recognize the voice of God. The Bible says that the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. But we get just a few verses later. And the Bible says now the way that God revealed himself to Samuel was through his word. What happened? Samuel grew. Samuel grew to understand the voice of God. Amen. Today I'm telling what's got to happen to the church in this hour is we've got to grow to recognize the voice of God. What's that going to take? It's going to take us silencing some other voices. It's hard to hear from God when all you listen to is CNN or Fox. It's hard to listen to to hear the voice of God when all you do is binge Netflix. It's hard to hear the voice of God when all you do is scroll through Facebook and Instagram. If we're going to hear the voice of God, we got to silence some other voices. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what CNN or Fox is saying. I want to know what is heaven saying. What is God speaking in this hour? How did Samuel? I don't want to just tell you what you need to do. I want to give us instruction from the scripture on how we can do it. So how did Samuel? And how do we? Pastor, I'm good enough. I'm good where I'm at. You're missing out on what more God has for you if that's your mentality today. Pastor, I'm good with just hearing you preach for 30 minutes on a Sunday. That's good enough for me. That suffices my walk with God. No, it doesn't suffice your walk with God. You've got to grow to a place where God reveals himself to you through his word. So how, how do we do that? Well, I'm going to tell you how Samuel did it, and I think if we'll follow his pathway We'll arrive at the same place he did. Very simple. How did Samuel grow to recognize the voice of God? Very simple. He kept responding. That's how you grow to recognize the voice of God is you just simply keep on responding. Three times, amen, he heard the voice of God and he got out of bed and he ran. The first two times, he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how to respond. He didn't know what to do with what God was calling him to do. But what he did know is I'm not going to stay here. I refuse to remain in my bed when God is calling me to do something. The worst thing that you can do is stop responding. Amen. The worst thing you can do if you're trying to grow in your walk with God is come to a place where you no longer respond. I'm preaching to some good callous Christians that you've come to church for so long that the worship doesn't move you any longer, that the Spirit of God sweeps through the building and it doesn't move you any longer. You've learned how to sit there and not respond. And what will happen is God's voice will become silent in your world. The moment that you stop responding, God stops speaking. There have been times, Eric, that I responded wrong. There are times in my zeal and in my passion I did the wrong thing with what I was feeling. But I thank God for spiritual leadership that helped correct me and get me back in alignment. But the one thing I'm thankful for is I never stop responding. I don't ever want to sit in the middle of a service and the Holy Ghost move. And I sit there and don't respond. There ought to be something that rises up in you. I've got to raise my hands. I've got to clap my hands. I've got to lift my voice. I refuse to remain silent. The worst thing that you can do is stop responding. Pastor, I don't know what to do when I feel the Holy Ghost. I mean, I see what James Phillips does when he feels it. I see what Brother Sylvia does, and I, I just—I—but I, I don't know what I, I know. What I feel—it's this burning fire in me, but I don't know how to res, listen. Just respond. Whatever you do, don't just sit there. Amen. You may not respond the way James Phillips does. You may not respond the way Brett Sylvia does. But whatever you do, do something. how to respond when I'm reading the word and it convicts me. Amen. I I don't know what to do with that. Amen. But listen, if you will just make up in your mind that you will respond. It may not be the right way, but I'm going to tell you, responding is always better than doing nothing. When you stop responding, when you feel the Holy Ghost, but you hold your arm. I'm not raising my hands. When you feel the Spirit tugging at you to come to the altar, but you stay there in your seat when you see truth revealed in the scripture but you refuse to believe when you know that God is asking you to let go of something but you refuse to let go what happens is God says I'm going to stop speaking to you you won't know my voice if you won't respond to my voice you'll never know my voice but God looks at somebody like Samuel who got out of bed three times, in the middle of the night two times. He ran in the wrong direction. He ran to the wrong source. But God said, I see something in that young man. I see a young man that will respond when I speak. And so I'm going to reveal myself to him. Listen, you may not respond the right way, but God will honor your response. Come on, even if it's just a little hand wave. Even if it's just a little head, even if your dance doesn't look as good as somebody else, if you just respond, God will speak. Here's some biblical instruction on how we respond to the voice of God. Because it is important that we have wisdom in this area. The first response. In, in knowing what voice to respond to is responding to the Logos. But hold up your Bible. The established word of God. That's the first voice you should be responding to is what the Bible says. This is established. This is God's authority. Amen. He said don't add to it and don't take away. Amen. He says if you add to it or take away, there's going to be a curse on you for doing that. Why? Because this is God's established word, Amen. The first word you need to be searching. Some of you are looking for for you're looking for words in your in your fortune cookie. Well, that was God, even though it says the exact opposite of what the Bible says. You're looking for words in dreams and prophetic utterances, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But let me tell you, if it contradicts the word, it's in it's not in order. The first thing that we need to do is fall in love with the voice of God by falling in love with his word. Yes. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Yes. Come on, it's, it's not time, church, in the last hour, it's not time to start chasing after voices. It's time to get in love with the word. Yes. The word. Secondly. And it's in this order. But secondly, we respond to spiritual leadership. Again, I said it's in that order because if spiritual leadership contradicts the word, guess who's right? The word. But if spiritual leadership gives you guidance that's in alignment with the word of God, you need to obey the leadership and what they're, what they're giving you guidance to do. What was it? What was it that aligned Samuel so that he could hear the voice? What was it that aligned Samuel so the Bible said that God revealed himself to Samuel? It was when Samuel did what Eli told him to do. Eli said, Samuel, go back to bed. And the next time you hear that voice, you say, here I am, Lord, speak to me. And when Samuel obeyed the leadership in his life, God revealed himself through his word. It's not there to to be oppressive over you. It's to put you in alignment with blessing. It was his obedience. The spiritual leadership. I don't trust, then you shouldn't be in this church if you don't trust your leadership. I, I don't know how else to say it, but if... Pastor, I don't really trust you. Then you need to find you another church and another pastor. Because if you can't trust the spiritual leadership, you're never going to hear the voice of God. If you can't obey the leadership that's in your life, you're never going to obey the voice of God. It is your obedience to spiritual authority and spiritual leadership that is going to put you in the place you need to be to recognize the voice of God. So first, it's the Logos, the established word of God. Secondly, it's spiritual leadership. Thirdly, it's the Rhema. The Rhema is the spoken word of God. It's it's the word in the middle of the preaching that the preacher speaks in the inspiration. It's a prophetic word that is given in the middle of service. There's many different ways that the Rhema can go forth. But the Rhema, we've elevated the Rhema above the Logos. And that's a great way to end up in spiritual error. Deceived. Everybody hear me right now? Deceived. When you elevate the Rhema above the Logos, when you elevate the Rhema above spiritual leadership in your life, you're placing yourself in the position where God will silence his voice in your life. And we live in an hour in a spiritual age that is infatuated with the Rhema. We want dreams and prophecies. Let me tell you, those things I'm, I'm all for them. I believe God speaks to them, but dreams and prophecies that are not under the scope of the authority of Logos and spiritual leadership—this is going to be hard for me to for you to hear. But listen to me because it's true: are nothing more than mysticism and witchcraft. The Bible says that the devil himself can make himself to appear as an angel of light. Amen. When you get out of order, when you you don't elevate the Logos to the place that it belongs in, and you get out from under spiritual leadership in your life, the enemy can deceive you through a dream or a prophetic. I don't need another dream. I need a word. I don't need you to speak a prophetic word over me. I've got a word. Amen. This word orders my steps. And when I align myself under this word and I align myself under spiritual leadership, then it opens me up for the rhema, which operates within the flow of that order. And the rhema can bless me as well. I, living hope, we went through it. I've seen it happen where groups of people get destroyed because somebody gets a rhema. That rhema they got doesn't align with the the logos, but they got a rhema. Well, God told, how do you tell somebody no when they say God told them something? I've learned as a pastor, you don't. You just step out of the way and say, well, have your way. You're going to learn the hard way most of the time. Amen, I, I've seen people get a rhema, a fresh word from God that spiritual leadership said, no, it's not time, that's out of order, don't do it, and they said, I'm going to do it anyway, and you know what happened? It doesn't just destroy that person, it destroys a whole mass of people that follow them. I'm not telling you this to be controlling. I'm telling you this because I want you to recognize the voice of God. And if you'll align yourself under the Logos and spiritual leadership, God will give you a rhema, amen, and you will learn to recognize the voice of God. Let's give God a hand clap of praise right now. I want to grow. I want to grow to recognize his voice. I don't want to be deceived. Well, Pastor, there's no way I could be deceived. One third of the angels were. Don't think you're above deception. The only thing that keeps you under uh, uh, safe from deception is submission. That's it. That's the only thing. It ain't how much you know. The angels flew around in the presence of God as long as they existed, and yet they were deceived by the serpent. They were deceived by the angel Lucifer. Amen. The only thing that will save you from deception is submission. Amen. God, I'm going to stay in submission to your word. That's why Paul said, if anybody comes to you preaching any other doctrine unto you other than the one that I gave you, this word, let them be accursed. Send them out. They're dangerous. Amen? I don't want to be deceived. I don't want you to be deceived. You know what I want? I want us to grow to recognize the voice of God. Because our world needs us to recognize the voice of God that when God whispers to you in the line at Starbucks and says, That woman behind you, she's hurting right now, she needs she needs compassion, she needs prayer, that you, know, you can be sensitive to that and know how to respond. If God doesn't give you dreams and prophetic words so you can look super spiritual and look how great I, if that's your understanding of prophecies and dreams, you're out of order, anyhow. God doesn't God does it for the edifying of the body. The second area that Samuel, everybody all right? The second area that Samuel grew in, first Samuel chapter two, verse 26. The Lord the Bible says that Samuel grew on and was in favor with God and with man. Amen. He was in favor with you know who else? the Bible says that about Jesus. Amen, Samuel and Jesus, one in the Old Testament one bringing the revelation of the New Testament, they were in favor with God and with man. And it's important that we keep it in that order. Because if we start seeking to please men first, it becomes impossible to please the Lord. If you're first, listen, if I start preaching sermons because I want to be pleasing, I don't want anybody to be mad at me. I don't, they might leave if I preach against this sin or that sin. They might get offended if I preach against this or that. Guess what? I stop pleasing the Lord. And I love you all, and I want you to like me, but I want God to like me more than I want you to like me. I don't want to make anybody mad. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but my first calling is to be in favor with God. And then after I find favor with God, then I can be in favor with man. And we got a religious world out there that's got this thing flipped around. And we're so concerned about being in favor with the world that we're no longer, we don't preach half the Bible any longer because we're concerned about what the world will think. You better preach the whole word of God. You better preach it from Genesis to Revelation. However, we should not seek favor with God at the exclusion of favor with man. Some people, that's all they care about. They're a jerk to people. I mean, they like try to be. I'm going to go out of my way to be offensive to you, dirtbag. I disagree with the way you live, and I'm going to make sure you know it. I got bumper stickers for every sin that you might be living in on my car. I I don't. That was hypothetical. No, no, Samuel said, first, I want to be in favor with God, but I also want to be in favor with man. Amen. I'm going to tell you that we've got to do both of those. But the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to seek to please the Lord. It said he grew in favor with God. Now, we like God's favor, but the, the favor that Samuel grew in was not God's favor. It was God being pleased with him. Samuel grew in understanding how to please God. Oh, we love God's favor, right? God's favor is a raise on the job, and our kids are all healthy, right? And, and there's groceries, and gas went down. by. It didn't, but I'm just saying that would be favor if gas prices went down right? That would be God. Oh, look at God's favor. Somebody paid for my gasoline today. That would be, we would say that's God's favor. We want that, but that's not what Samuel was seeking. Samuel wasn't seeking 20 cents off at the gas pump. He wasn't seeking a new job. He was seeking in everything within him. I want to know how can I please the Lord? God, if there's anything in my life that is not in alignment with the Logos, I'm asking you to convict me. The number one thing you ought to be thankful for is you go to a church where conviction is preached. Oh, we don't like conviction. Pastor, you need to let me give me a microphone. I've got a voice like an angel. I know I live like a devil. Sorry, I stepped out too far. No no, I'm going to go ahead. I know I live like a devil, but I can sing like an angel, so put me on your platform. Why? Because we don't want God to take We don't care about pleasing God. We want God to please us. We want God to give us everything. But Samuel said, that's not what I'm growing in. I, I'm growing in knowing and understanding how to please God. Somebody, you need to stop holding on to your hat. And you need to go deeper in your walk with Jesus. Amen. How can I please you more? It's consecration week. And if you don't want to hear the word straight, don't come tomorrow night or Tuesday night or Wednesday night. Because this church needs some strong preaching from your pastor. And I intend to do that. But there is a problem when the world and the church don't look anything different than one another. There is a problem. It's not a good thing when your Sunday lifestyle and your Friday lifestyle are worlds apart. Amen. We need to seek to please the Lord. I'm seeking, I'm seeking to grow in favor with God. What else? What else do I need to change? Now it's, was well, that a heaven or hell issue? Do I have to do that? Do I have to? No, no, no. No, God, does this please you? How many married couples, you know what it's like when you just, when you're in your relationship, things are flowing, like there's oil in the, in the engine. Things are, why? Because you're seeking to please one another. I'm going I'm to pick up my shoes. I forgot to, the mental note this morning. My wife last night said, s- s- these magic shoes forgot to put themselves away. And I meant meant this morning to grab them and put them away because I want to look for ways to please my wife. I want to do little things that please, because the relationship is so much smoother when we're seeking to please one another. Amen. And in our relationship with God, it's just so much smoother when we're seeking to please the Lord. Ephesians 5, verse number 8 says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. How many of you, don't raise your hands right now, but honestly, how many of you, that's a, a thought throughout the day. Is this pleasing to God? Am I pleasing Him with what I'm watching right now, with what I'm listening to? Am I pleasing Him in my lifestyle? Am I pleasing Him in my thoughts And and, and that's what Ephesians said. He says, here's what children of of light do. They walk by trying to discern. In other words, they're always thinking about what is pleasing to the Lord. Uh, Amen. And that's what Samuel grew in. First, he grew in favor with God. I'm going to bring you another scripture, a man by the name of Enoch in the Bible. How many of you would like to avoid death? I've thought through a list in my life. You know, what's a good way to die? What's the best way to die? And I haven't found it yet. I I don't want to drown. I don't want to burn. I don't want to get in a car wreck. I don't want to just, you know, some people, they just fall asleep and don't wake up. I guess if you got to do it, that's a good way, but not, I really don't want to do that either. I kind of like waking up in the mornings. Coffee tastes better when you're awake. <laughs> but there's only two people in the Scripture that avoided death. Elijah, the prophet who was taken up in the whirlwind, and Enoch, the prophet, the man of God. Amen. And, and, and here's, so I'm not saying physically, you may, you may not be able to avoid death but how many of you know we invite death into our lives? We, have, we invite messes and chaos and, and destruction into our life through the choices that we made. But the Bible says this about Enoch, a man that did not see death. Amen. Here's what the Bible says about Enoch. A man that he, that, that he did not see death. Amen. Because God took him. And before that, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Let me tell you, if we'd spend more time seeking to please God, we'd have less death in our lives we'd have less destruction pastor why is there so much chaos in my family because you don't ever think about pleasing God I don't understand why my children are so out of line and out of order. I don't understand. Well, because when's the last time you thought about pleasing God? We want God to bless us, but we don't want to please him. Listen, if you want to avoid death, then you need to do what Enoch did, and you need to start seeking to please God. And then he grew in favor with man. Pleasing God is first. But many times, how many of you know you can please God? You can be a great Christian as far as being in relationship with God, but the world doesn't want anything to do with you. As you walk around with your nose up in the air, holier than thou, self-righteous, judgmental, condemning. Because we don't give any thought to pleasing man. But Samuel didn't just grow in favor with God. He also grew in favor with our world. The Bible says that we are to be salt and light to our world. Amen. We got to be flavoring our world. We got to be bringing hope to our world. And yes, I want to be in favor with God. But I also want to be able to impact my community. I also want to be able to influence the world that I live in. Well, how do you do that? Well, here's how I do it. I give, my, I give my waitress a 25% tip, minimum. Well, you don't have to give her all. No, I don't have to. But I want, when that young lady knows that she needs somebody to pray for her, I, I want her to know what church she can come to. I don't want, oh, I'm not that church. That pastor's a jerk. I've had waitresses tell me, you're the only pastor in this community that gives a decent tip. You're the only pastor that doesn't complain about your food. I'm not trying to lift myself up, but I am telling you it makes a difference the way that you treat people. Living hope, we need to be salt in our community. Amen. We need to be able to impact and influence our community. We need to love people. Yes, we need to grow in favor with God, but we also need to grow in favor with man. Last point. Samuel grew in capacity. Let me know what capacity is. Capacity is what we're capable of. I don't want to be the same preacher five years from now that I am today. I don't want to be the same pastor five years from now that I am today. I don't want to be the same voice in this community five years from now that I am today. You know what I want to do? I want my capacity to grow. I want the capacity of this church to grow. The reason I can't wait to build phase two is because I know our impact in this community is going to grow when we build that next phase. And so many of you, you, you just hold on to your hats. You're, you're not even concerned with your capacity. You just come to church on Sunday because that's what you, you've done. You're Pentecostal. That's what Pentecostals do. But your capacity in worship is what it was 10 years ago, maybe less. Your capacity to pray somebody through In the altar is the same as it was 10 years ago. Your your capacity to be a a voice of hope to others around you has not increased. Uh, Amen. But I'm telling you today uh, that it's time for somebody to let go of your hat uh, and say, God, I want to grow in capacity. Uh, I want my ministry to be greater than it's ever been. I, I want my family to be more anointed than they've ever been. Not just me as the preacher. It's got to be this church rising up together and saying, God, increase our territory. Uh, enlarge our tents. Uh, stretch forth thy stakes. Uh, amen. God wants to increase our capacity. I'll conclude with just a few verses and, and another short sermon. No, I, I really am. I'm, I know 1 Samuel 2 and 18, I just want to follow a progression here. 1 Samuel 2 and 18, Samuel ministered before the Lord. Bring, bring up 1 Samuel two eighteen. I want you to see this. This is the beginning. Samuel ministered before the Lord. 1 Samuel 3 and 1. The Bible says in, in 1 Samuel 3 and 1, and the child, I didn't give them a heads up on this, so it's my fault. Now he ministered unto the Lord. Before Eli, see the the progression? It starts out, he's just ministering before the Lord. It's a private ministry. Now the Bible says he's ministering unto the Lord, but before Elijah, what started out as a private ministry now becomes a personal ministry. What started out as personal now becomes private. It's secluded. There are just a few people involved. But now let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 7, verse 3, that Samuel stands up and ministers to the entire house of Israel. God is expanding his capacity. At the beginning, it's just a personal thing. It's just between him and God. And then God expands it a little bit and says, okay, now I want you to minister to me, but in front of Eli. And then God says, okay, Samuel, now I can trust you with that. So now I'm going to put you in the middle of multitudes where you're going to reach many people. God wants to expand your capacity. The need in our world is greater than it has ever been. And our world doesn't need a church and Christians that have no capacity to minister. Notice the progression. It started personally. I get weary of people that the first thing they want is a position and a microphone. They want to go right to public. Pastor, I got a word for the church. First of all, I need to know that you know how to hear from God in your prayer closet. How, how are you going to know that? Because your lifestyle is going to start changing. No, no, Pastor, I've got a word of wisdom. Well, what changes are taking place in your life? Until that God is transforming you, you haven't demonstrated to me that there's anything happening personally. Uh, once things start happening personally, you know what's going to happen next? You're going to start reaching out privately. Uh, you're going to get somebody involved in a Bible study. Uh, Amen. You're going to get somebody at your work that you're going to start talking to Jesus about. Uh, and then once your personal life is growing uh, and your private ministry is going, then God will put you in front of a multitude and you know who God wants to do that for yeah we know past, he wants to do it for you pastor no he wants to do it for everybody in this room he wants to put you in front of multitudes he wants to put you in front of communities he wants to put you in front of unbelievers but it has to be a graduation first God start in me God, let it be personal. Oh, Lord, I want to grow in my personal devotion. I don't need a platform. I don't need a microphone. I don't need a position. I don't need a title. I just need to get lost in your presence. Oh, God, I need you to fix what's wrong in me. I need you to transform me, God. I need you to change me. If there's anything in my life that's not in alignment with your word, I'm asking you to cut it away. I want to be right with you. And then God says, all right, I see what you're doing. You're allowing me to realign some things in your world. So I'm going to bring an Eli into your life. I'm going to bring a coworker into your world. And I'm going to let you minister your testimony to them. Amen. And then when you've demonstrated that you can be faithful in the little things, I'm going to graduate you to the bigger things. Everybody in this church. No, Brother Alberti, he's charismatic. He's got a cool personality. He's funny. Of course, Pastor, God can do that for him. No, I'm talking to Mike Vahaska. I'm talking to Brad Pleger. Hey, man, I'm talking to Sister Rosie. I'm talking to everybody in this church right now. But you've got to get a hunger. You've got to get a Samuel spirit that says, I'm ready to graduate. I'm ready to grow. I'm tired of being in the same place I've always been. I'm hungry for more. Stand with me if you would. Started with devotion. God, anoint me, anoint me. God says, commit yourself and I'll anoint you. Started out with a linen ephod. I told you we'd come back to that. Bible says Samuel had on as a boy. He started wearing this linen ephod. There's different types of ephod in the scripture. Some ephods were colorful and ornate. They had different ornaments on them. Those were the the ephod of the priest. But the ephod that Samuel wore was just a servant's ephod. It wasn't anything special. His job, Samuel was the guy who cleaned up when there was a mess on aisle nine. He, he knew how to hold a broom. He knew how to do little tasks around the around the, the, the temple that needed to be. He was nothing more than a temple servant. But it started with an ephod. And those same hands that knew how to get a hold of a broom when there was a mess on aisle nine. God said, because you've learned how to be devoted. Because you've learned how to be dependable and committed. Now I'm going to put a vial of oil in your hands. And there's a little boy out there in the pasture. Hey Amen. By the name of David, Samuel, that I need you to go and find him. I need you to take that oil and I need you to pour it on the head of David and you're going to be the man that anoints him. Before God can trust you with anointing, he's got to know that he can trust you to be a servant. God, whatever you need me to do in the kingdom, I'll do it. Lord, if you need me to show up and help park cars, I'll do it. If you need me to come on Saturday and clean the church, I'll do it. Lord, whatever you need me to do, I'm just here to serve. And before you know it, You open up those same hands to begin to serve, and God puts a a vase of oil in your hands. And before you know it, there's anointing dripping off of your life. And before you know it, God is raising up kings from out of you. And before you know it, God is shaping a nation from out of your world. Why? Because I'm just willing to serve. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's anybody that would raise your hands on this Sunday morning and say, God, I'm ready for my capacity to grow. Living hope, it's easy to come to church on service and complain about the condition of our world. It's it's easy to come and complain about the rampant perversion in our world. It's the easy thing as Christians just to come and complain about how things are going but what we need right now is not more complaining. We need increased capacity. We need this church to begin to reach our community. We need the influence of living hope through Mary and Angelina and Jasmine and JB and Duke. Larry and Francis and Jess and Josh and Sherwood and Sheila and Nikki and Jose and Linda and Ellen and Steve and James and Linda and Junior and adult. Somebody's got to get hungry. Say, you know what? This old hat, this old hat, I'm ready to trade it in for something new. This old hat that I've been wearing, I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm ready for more responsibility. I'm ready for more authority. So God help me to grow in recognizing your voice. Is there anybody that would come to this altar right now and say that first and foremost? I want to learn the voice of God. I want my ears to be listening when God speaks. Oh, I may not always respond the right way. There's times I run to Eli when I should have run to God. There's times I run in the wrong direction, but God, I want you to know you can trust me to respond. Come on, somebody here today that would... Pastor, I'm ready for God to increase my capacity. I'm ready to grow in favor with God. I want to do what pleases God. Some of you, the biggest thing holding you back from anointing is you want to do what pleases you. And God is simply saying, if you would just start trying to please me, I'll use you in ways you can never imagine. I'll put the oil in your hands. I'll put David in front of you. I'll bring things about. I pray to God, everybody in this room right now would raise your hands. I pray to God, it's how I told you at the beginning, some of you, how you respond to this sermon, how you respond to what God has spoken this morning is going to determine the trajectory of your life and those around you. I promise you, God will increase your capacity. God wants to use you more than you want to be used by Him. Lord, as we lift our hands around this room right now, I pray, oh God, that you would help us to recognize your voice god in a world where there's so much confusion and so many different voices even coming into the church there are voices of deception in this hour but god we want to learn to recognize your voice reveal yourself to us through your word i don't need another rhema i don't need another dream i don't need another prophecy i just need the word of god to order my steps Hallelujah. Come on, somebody right now, lift up your voice. God, increase my capacity. Increase my capacity. Lord, let it start in me personally. God, let it begin in me personally. And then, Lord, open doors where it can begin privately. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going away on you sheets. I'm going away on you